0: I get to introduce our speaker today, Pastor Jono Gates. Jono is an evangelist, a pastor, and a leader. He was born and raised in Minneapolis, and he attended North Central University. And after he graduated from college, he became um, full um, served in full-time ministry as the student pastor at Rochester Assembly in Rochester, Minnesota. And after years of serving faithfully at the local church, Um, he sensed that God was asking him to step out into no man's land (laughs) in faith, to go on the road full-time as an evangelist. And so this last December of 2021, John O. Gates Ministries was born. And so we get to have him. He's kind of kind of getting started and he has just even been sharing just some stories of the great things that he's got a chance to do. Jono travels throughout the country and he brings a passionate and dynamic presentation to churches and ministries and his desire is to see all people, all generations experience a move of God and a demonstration of God's power and so let's give it up for Jono.
1: Good morning, church. How are you feeling this morning? You guys awake? You guys excited to be in the house of God? Uh, It is such an honor to be with you guys. I first want to give a little honor to Pastor Mike. Can we give it up for our incredible lead pastor? He is so genuine. He's so intentional. Uh, just every single conversation I've had with him has left me feeling filled up and encouraged. How many of you guys know that's a good thing? <laughs> Especially in today's society, it is encouraging to be with people that give you uh, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of life. And uh, as Pastor Vicky said, thank you for being such a wonderful host this morning. As Pastor Vicky said, uh, I have had the opportunity to travel all around the country and uh, as of 44 days ago, I'm full-time on the road and it's It has been amazing, and I'll be honest with you, it is not something that was naturally something that I wanted to do. Uh, I remember uh, probably 2021 was the most supernatural year of my life. Where God has confirmed divinely through so many confirmations, through so many people, through so many moments. And I remember I was kind of wrestling with a mentor of mine and I said, Man, I don't know if this is something that I wanna do. I don't know if I wanna give up job security, financial security, a church family that I love and I hope loves me. And and he looked at me, he said, John, you have nothing to lose. I was like, What you mean? He's like, You don't have a wife, you don't have a kids, you don't have a house, you don't have a dog. He's like, You have nothing. I was like, Thank you for reminding me how little I actually have in my life. And so he's like, this is the time to go. He's like, the only thing that you could lose is your ego. And that's a good thing. I was like, yeah, but that's kind of fragile. You know, I was like, I want to like make sure I have some like job security and financial security. But how many you guys know uh, following Jesus, he doesn't call us to comfortable. He calls us to obedience, and uh, I've often discovered that sometimes God will not meet your expectation because he wants to exceed your expectation, and the last 44 days have been probably the most exceeded the most, uh, I've seen God's provision and his faithfulness more in these 44 days than I have in probably five and a half years of ministry. And so uh, as Pastor Vicki said, I was full time for five and a half years and then took the leap of faith, uh, left my church in Rochester. I looked at my lead pastor. I said, pastor, here's what's going on in my life. And he's laughing the whole time. And he goes, John, well, I've known this is coming for a year and a half. He's like, we want to launch you. We want to celebrate you. We see the gift of God over your life. And so uh, my hope this morning is that this message would encourage you, but how many of you guys know, I hope it will challenge you. Um, I think we cannot change unless we're challenged. And I think God has a really good way of looking at the areas of our life that don't align with his word and challenging us to step into the purpose and the person that God has called us to be. Amen. So I'm going to read from the book of James chapter one. There's going to be a Bible on the screen behind me. It says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Next slide. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away, it immediately forgets what he looks like. But him who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it will be blessed in what they do. Next slide. Those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, listen to this, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, neighbor, neighbor, I prayed all week that I would sit next to you today. I'm believing that this message is for you and for me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your time together. God, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would do what only you can do. God, the person that walked in here discouraged, I pray that they would leave encouraged by the power of your spirit. God, the person that is wondering if you care, God, I pray that you would make yourself so tangibly real in their life and in their situation in this moment. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. Well, one of the things, church, that I think uh, is important for you to maybe know about me, some of y'all are like, this is not going to be important. But one of the things is I love um, to go to the gym. I think uh, fitness is something that is very important for all of us, and I, I, I just fully believe that a Christian life is a disciplined life, so I always want to push myself in every area, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Now, I love going to the gym. Now, this story I'm about to share with you this morning uh, probably scarred me a little bit. Now, when I go to the gym, I've often discovered that uh, I have this thing that I love to do called people-watching. Um, observing everyone's natural behaviors in the gym is pretty uh, fun and entertaining for me. I remember this one time I was at the gym, and when I'm at the gym, I'm a very routined and regimented individual. I like to go at the same time, and when you go at the same time, you meet the same people, and you see them there for the same period of time, and so you start to build a sense of community at the gym. This was like another sense of community other than my church family, and there was this one time that I had met this individual at the gym, And when I meet someone, I do my best to say hello uh, whenever I see them in the future. And so I saw this gentleman at the gym after I had met him one night, and I gave him a hello. We were probably about 20 feet apart, and he shouted something back at me, but I had my headphones in, and I couldn't hear what he said. So I walked up to him. I said, my friend, I'm so sorry. I missed what you said. What was that? And he goes, what's your problem with me? Excuse me? (laughs) He goes, what's your problem with me? He's like, you're staring at me all the time. I was like, what? What do you mean? He goes, you're a Christian, right? You're so fake. I was like, okay. So he walks off. Now, when you're, when you're at the gym, you know, when you do a workout, you probably want to give yourself some rest before you do the next workout. And so I'm kind of sitting there resting before my next set. And you know this thing called peripheral vision? It's like what you see but not directly in front of you. I literally see this guy walking, pacing back and forth, staring at me like, like this. Like I'm not kidding, guys. Like Hand on the Bible. And I'm like, I'm about to die. And so he walks right in front of my peripheral vision, stops, bends down, and goes, What's your problem with me? I'm like, Brother, what is going on right now? He comes up to me. He goes, Dude, all you're doing is staring at me the whole time. He's like, You want to go outside and fight? I'm like, No. He's got been stabbed. I'm like, I don't want to be. Like, at least let me get married first, and then I can get stabbed. How I many of you guys know there's some things that you walk into in life that you can't always walk out of? How I many you guys know there's some situations that no matter how hard you try, no matter how intentional you are, you're still forced to face what is in front of you? You can't ignore it. You can't avoid it. You're now in it, so you're forced to walk through it. You know, one of the things that I hear all the time from married couples, especially, I look at them and I say, hey, what is the key to your success in marriage, to the longevity, to the sustainability of your marriage? They look at me and they say, Jono, pick your battles. Pick your battles. But my question is, what about when the battle picks you? What about when the battle shows up in your life, when it shows up in your doorstep, when you don't have a say in the matter, when you don't have a say in the moment? Like, what do you do when you find yourself face-to-face with an issue that you didn't ask for, that you didn't want anything to do with? Because let's be honest, sometimes life can be hard, right? Sometimes life can be challenging. Sometimes life can be difficult. Sometimes things that you didn't plan for happen. Sometimes things that you couldn't predict happen, and when life doesn't go the way that you want, when life doesn't go the way that you expected, when life doesn't go the way that you thought it would go, it's hard to know how to respond. It's hard to know what to say. It's hard to know what to do, and if I'm honest, I don't always know what to ha- how to handle what's happening. I would always Know how to respond to what's going on around me because the truth is there's not a lot that's going on just in my world or your world. There's a lot that's going on around the world. There's a lot that's going on in our nation that's hard to handle. There's a lot that's going on in our culture that's hard to handle. There's so many problems creating so many pieces. Families are breaking apart. Relationships are falling apart. There's so many things we're uncertain about. There's so many things that we're confused about. There's so many things we have questions about. There's all this conflict, all this confusion, all this chaos. And if I'm honest, I don't know what to say about it. I don't always know what to do about it. I don't always know what to think about it. I don't know how to respond to all the differing opinions around me. I don't know how to respond to all the issues that are happening around me. I don't know how to respond to all the things that people tell me. I don't know who to go to. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know what source I can trust. There's all these voices, all these choices advocating for my attention. And I found myself in a space, in a place that I don't honestly know how to respond to. Like, we can work through our past, but how do we walk out today? How do we deal with right now? How do we reconcile the last 24 months of our lives, some of the hardest, most difficult seasons from the divisions within our country, to the complexity of COVID-19. How do we handle the tensions in our world today? See, I believe that it is important for the church of Jesus Christ to talk about some things that may be difficult to talk about some things that may be painful. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ should not be avoiding that which needs addressing. I believe it is imperative for us as the church of Jesus Christ to talk about the things that go against the purpose that God has placed over your life as his church. And I believe this message could not be more needed for this generation. And I believe that this is a time for the church to stand up boldly, to speak up confidently with delicacy, wisdom, and grace. And I believe that if we're going to step into the place in the space that God, Has ordained this church to be in, then we cannot change what we are unwilling to address. We need to address these areas in our lives because we cannot fix what we're unwilling to face. And I don't want to be the kind of pastor, I don't want to be the kind of person, I don't want to be kind of leader who is not willing to talk about difficult things. Yes, I want to be delicate, and yes, I want to be sensitive, but I don't want to be the kind of person that's not willing to address certain areas in my life and in our life because it seems too messy. It seems too complicated. It seems too difficult. I want to be the kind of pastor, I want to be the kind of person that is willing to talk about the hard and difficult things in life. The things that we don't always understand, the things that we can't always wrap our head around and say, Hey, I may not understand everything that you're walking through. I may not understand everything that just happened to you, but I want you to know I'm with you. I'm here to listen. See, people don't need you to change them or fix them, they just need you to sit with them. They need you to sit with them in the painful moments, they need you to sit with them in the lonely moments. They need you to sit with them when things aren't making sense around them. They don't, oh, we don't always have to have the answer, church. Sometimes we just got to point people to the one who is the answer. And that's the kind of people I think that this generation needs right now. That's the kind of church that this world needs right now is people that would sit there and say, you know what, I don't always have to have the right words, but I can sit with you in the pain. Because here's the deal. People may not remember what you say to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. And when we sit with people and their problems, and when we sit beyond our own perspectives, and we start asking questions, that's when we see reconciliation. That's when we see restoration. That's when we see restoration come in this generation. Because we all just came out of a year of 2020 and 2021. And that was some difficult stuff, to put it lightly. And some of us are still working through what we witnessed, and we may never fully know the impact of what we walked through and what we're still walking into. But the truth is our world is hurting. Our world is divided, divided over opinions and perspectives, over what people think is right, over what people think is wrong. There's so many voices being spoken, so many thoughts being shared. Everyone wants their voice to be heard, their opinions to be known. I've seen so many friendships divided because we've become... More educated with facts, but we've become completely unaware of people's feelings. We live in a time where we think disagreement means that we divide because divisions become our default, and even in the midst of all the disagreements, even in the midst of all the damage that has been done, my friends, I need you to hear me this morning. A divided world needs a united church. A hurting world needs a united church. And if you're taking notes, that's my one point this morning, keeping it real simple for us. A divided world needs a united church. See, our world needs a generation of believers that would stand in the gap, that would stand up for unity. We need believers that would become the bridge for reconciliation, that would be the bandage for the broken. sea. we don't need more believers that just empathize with other people. We need more believers that are compassionate for people because you want to know the difference between compassion and empathy. Empathy is just an emotion. Empathy is just a feeling that you enter into someone else's emotion. But compassion always leads to action. Every time in Scripture that it says Jesus had compassion, he was always led to action. What if we were the kind of believers that were led with compassion, and it led us to action. What if this generation was that generation? What if this generation of believers, what if this generation of Christians was that generation that said, you know what? Enough is enough. This world needs Jesus. We're going to bring them Jesus. This world needs healing. We're going to help bring healing. This world needs unity. We're going to help bring unity. And let me say this about unity. Unity is not everyone looking the same or sounding the same, or interacting the same unity looks like diversity unity looks like people from various spaces and places coming together for a common purpose and that purpose happens to be a person and his name is Jesus and if you're not a fan of diversity you're not going to be a fan of eternity because it'll be every tribe every tongue every nation standing before the king of kings and the lord of lords singing holy 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 is the lord god almighty See, we serve a God who wants to bring reconciliation, who wants to bring healing, who wants to bring change to this world. And the reason I've taken so long this morning before I got into this text is I wanted to build the tension of us understanding the relevance of this passage we're about to read in our everyday life. Because the Bible, how many of you guys know the Bible is still relevant? And I love the book of James. It's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible because it's super encouraging and it's really practical. Who doesn't love those things? Here is James, the half brother of Jesus. He's writing to a group of Jewish believers who are now scattered and divided all across the region of Jerusalem. And what they're walking through right now, you could say, is extremely difficult, it's extremely painful. They are experiencing intense suffering and persecution. And James is writing this letter to encourage them to keep going in the midst of difficulty. To keep going in the midst of hardship. He's writing this letter to encourage them to say when life gets hard, when everything's falling to pieces, keep holding on to faith. Keep moving forward. He's saying, hey, I know what you're experiencing today is beyond understandable. I know what you're experiencing today. You can't wrap your head around, but I need you to know don't let what you feel today determine your faith for tomorrow. What God is doing in you is he's producing in you what he wants to bring through you. He's setting up what God is producing, the character of the man and the woman that he's shaping you into. He's like, but then there's this shift in his tone. There's this shift in his approach in his writing. In verse 19, James says this, but take note of this. In other words, he says, lean in. Get this in your spirit. Understand this. Remember this. He says, everyone. You know, I looked that word up in Greek. You want to know what it means? Everyone. (laughs) Regardless of age, regardless of background, regardless of education, he says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Okay, hold up. Wait a minute, what's he talking about? Like this guy just went from talking about persevering through the trials that they're in to now talking about the power of the tongue that they have. That's a weird contrast. That's a weird transition. That that doesn't make sense to me. He's writing to a group of believers that are literally going through the hardest season of their life. And this dude starts writing about the importance of your words? (laughs) What are you talking about, James? James. Like, what are you doing? Why don't you talk about how to stay faithful, how to fight the good fight, how to stay faithful to the finish? Now he's talking about the words. Why is he talking about something so small, something so seemingly insignificant? But I wonder if James understood something that many of us struggle to understand today. I wonder if James understood that the way that we see the world changed is not by how loud we are, but by how well we listen. I wonder if James understood that the way for us to see healing and reconciliation and unity in this generation and in this nation is not about how loud we can be, but how well we are willing to sit with those and hear them. In a world that says the only way to bring change is to make your voice heard, your opinions known, to make our disagreements loud and clear, everyone wants to get the first word in and have the last word out. So much so that I think we've honestly lost the ability to talk to people. Now we just talk at people. You may think that's just a play on words, but the difference between talking to someone and talking at someone will determine their willingness to receive what's being said. Talking at someone is about imposing your thoughts, opinions, and perspectives. You care more about the point than you do the person. But talking to someone is about mutually sharing your thoughts, opinions, perspectives together. It's about connecting to a person over making the point. See, I feel like we've lost the art of listening. Because many people, they just listen so they can talk. They don't listen truly Hear. They listen so they can add their comment, their opinion. They're not listening. Now listen to this, church. Listening is the willingness to connect to someone's heart over your desire to be heard. Listening is connecting to someone's heart over your desire to be heard. You may impress people with how you talk, but you really impact people with how you listen. People may not remember what you say, but they will remember how well you listened. They will remember how you leaned in, how you sat with them, how you made them feel. What if we were the kind of people that didn't just listen so we could share, but we listened so we could learn? We leaned in to the mess. We leaned into the brokenness. We leaned into the uncomfortable. We leaned in and we listened. I wonder if many of us in our own life would become less critical if we became more curious we started asking more questions instead of assuming that we knew something about someone in their situation. And maybe James, the half-brother of Jesus, had the wisdom and the understanding to see that our impact as believers in this world is not predicated on how quick we are to speak, but it's predicated on our willingness to listen. There's enough voices in the world. There's enough opinions in the world. Could could it really be this simple? Could something so small carry so much significance? Could it be as simple as slowing down the words that we say and quickening our willingness to listen, to truly hear? How much conflict would be resolved if we were better listeners than we were speakers? How many friendships could be restored if we were better at sitting with people than we were at speaking to people? And... In this final moment, James goes on in this text, and he kind of has this mic drop moment. He, he goes a little further in verse 26. He says, listen in. He's like, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. In other words, anyone who is not carefully watch, monitor, or keep an eye on what they say or hello, somebody, how they say it deceives themselves, and their religion is worthless. The word worthless in Greek actually communicates a sense of uselessness. Something of having no purpose, no point, no meaning. It's described as something that's empty and without substance. Now, this is powerful. So James isn't just trying to step on our toes. He's actually trying to step on our tongues. He's trying to get us to see that our words actually carry weight. Our words have the power to bring life and the power to bring death. Our words have the power to credit our impact for the kingdom or discredit our impact. And I've seen too many believers lose their credibility because of the words they say. From the things that have come out of their mouth to the things that they've typed with their thumbs. Because how many of you guys know some people will do more damage with their thumbs than they ever will do with their tongues? What if we were the kind of people that instead of going <clears throat> to Facebook? <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Got something in my throat. throat) What if we were the people that sat with people in their pain? You know, because this time at the gym, I'm so sorry, church. Something just came into my throat. throat. Is there a water anywhere? I'm so sorry. I've never had this happen before. Forgive me. This time at the gym, I'm sitting with this kid coming at me. He's yelling at me. He's screaming at me. We're in the middle of the entire gym. There's probably 75 people staring at us. Thank you for the help, guys. It's like, this guy's coming at me. No one comes up. And he was so irrational, so all over the map. I couldn't reason with him. I couldn't defuse the situation. And I remember I finally said, God, would you just show up? Like, Jesus, would you, would you do something here? How many of you guys know when you invite Jesus into your situation, he will always come into your situation? And in a moment, he literally looked at me and he said, are you just a nice guy? Thank you so much. He looked at me and he said, are you really just a nice guy? I was like, yeah. I was like, I tried to be. I was like, don't kill me. He's like, you're really just a nice guy. I was like, I mean, I, 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 I think so. And I felt like the Lord gave me a word. And it's a miracle I didn't get punched. Come on, somebody. I said, man, how long have you been on drugs? And he goes, I've been addicted to pain meds for three years. I said, dude, how did you get hooked? He looked at me. He pulled down his shirt. There's a scar right across his chest. He wasn't joking. He got stabbed. He's like, I had open heart surgery. And it was so painful. He's like, I literally got it hooked on the pain medication just to cope. He's like, I could not sleep. I could not think. He's like, I had to quit my job. I had to quit school. He's like, I literally could not do anything he's like, except take this pain medication. And I said, dude, I need you to know, man. I said, brother, God wants so much more for your life than you want for your life. God wants to do so much more. And it was like the spirit of God came over me and I said, what, "What what's your name?" Like I didn't even know the guy. And he goes so and so and I said, "Dude, you need to know that God loves you so much." And that dude, "I don't got a problem with you. I was just saying hello." And I said, "Dude, what what's what's your story?" And literally in the middle of the Rochester Athletic Club, we sat there for 15 minutes. He started crying, sharing his story, his testimony. He said, you know, I grew up in church, but it was just this religious thing. It was just this traditional thing. He's like, you're really saying that there's a God who loves me and can accept me as I am, even in my faults. I'm like, yes. It's like, this is the gospel. The gospel is not about my love for God. It's about God's love for me. That's the good news. And he looks at me with tears in his eyes, and he starts hugging me. Two grown dudes in the middle of the gym just hugging it out. (laughs) And everyone's like, what is going on? This guy was like chewing out this one dude, and then now he's literally hugging him the next moment. In church, I share this story today not to pat myself on the back for, wow, way to diffuse a situation. But I share this to let you know you may not be able to control what you walk into in your life and in your season and in your situation, but you can control how you respond to what you walk into. You wanna see restoration take place in this nation? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. You wanna see restoration in your families? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. You want to see this generation experience Jesus in his heart? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. What if the church was known for being better listeners than we were speakers? That we were able to sit with people in their pain? How much healing would that bring? How much unity would that bring? How would it change our conversations, our relationships? You want to know what's more valuable than making your voice heard? Someone who is willing to listen. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning. He's been saying, you know what? There's some areas in your life, there's some areas in my life that we have gotten more comfortable with sharing our opinion, we've gotten more comfortable with sharing our thoughts, our perspectives, but making a point that we forgot to connect with a person. And you're saying, you know what, today the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me while you've been talking, Oh, and there's some areas in my life that I need to bring back into alignment with God's word. There's been some things that I've been maybe overtly opinionated about that I've done more damage than I have actually brought more benefit to the kingdom of God and the influence that God has given me in my, my region and my area and my job and my workplace. If that's you, I wanna invite you to respond on the outside to what God might be doing on the inside. If you're saying, John, oh, this message was for me. I needed this word. God is doing a work in my heart. I want you to lift your hand on the count of three, just saying, hey, I want, I want you to be praying for me. One, two, three. If this is for you, I want to know who I'm praying for. I see your hands. I see your hands. So, God, right now, by the power of your spirit, God, I pray that you would do what you do best, God, and in a moment... You can change our life. God, I thank you that you can do more in 30 seconds than we can do in 30 years of our own work. And so, God, right now, I pray by the power of your spirit, you would do a work in our hearts. You would do a work in our minds, God, that we would leave different. God, no more traditional attending church. God, would we leave different will we leave transformed by the power of your spirit i still believe god that all it takes is one moment with you for everything to change and God, would this be that moment for that person that raised their hand this morning? Would it be that moment for that person that literally said, God, there's some areas of my life, there's some behaviors, there's some patterns, there's some habits that are literally out of alignment with you, and right now, I choose to redirect my life, redirect my steps, and come in alignment with your purpose and your plans for me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Pastor Vicki, would you come this morning?
0: No! Mm-hmm.